I said, I'd do a Joseph. He stood there for a while. He said, you do a what? I said, I'd do a Joseph. He says, you mind telling me what that is? I said, well, you know Joseph in the Bible. He, he was in Egypt. He was in Potiphar's house. He says, what are you talking about? For the next hour and a half, while the machines went on running, I got to tell him the story of Joseph. And that was just the beginning of it. All these guys in the steam plant would come to me. One of the lousiest, raunchiest guy in the steam department cornered me one time in the locker room. Now, I knew this was going to be it. It was going to be he, me or him. I mean, I was going to deck him because I knew he was going to do something foul because he had a reputation of that. He cornered me in the locker room. He said, would you mind sitting down there? I said, yeah, okay. And I had my fist ball. I mean, man, I was going to let him have it. He said, I've got to ask you a question. I said, go right ahead. <laughs> he said, is Jesus coming soon? Let me tell you, folks. There is golden opportunities all around you. God has called you as a priest, and He wants you to share life with people. First go to Jesus and drink. But listen to this. This is what he's saying to the priests of that day. Not you. You have left God's paths. Your guidance has caused many to stumble into sin. You have corrupted the covenant I made with the Levites, says the Lord Almighty. So I've made you despised and humiliated in the eyes of all the people. For you have not obeyed me, but you've shown partiality in your interpretation of the law. They weren't living for him. And because they weren't living for him, people were saying this. If that's what a Christian is, I don't want any parts of that. God forbid. God forbid that anybody ever say that about you. And you see, so, we Christians, man, we mess things up. We get so stinking religious. We get, uh, religion is, is it's, it's horrible. I don't think God likes religious. And we think that we're correct and we think that we're right and we don't go there and we don't do this. And we don't give life either. God help us. Now he goes on to marriage. Are we not all children of the same father? Are we not all created by the same God? Then why are we faithless to each other, violating the covenant of our ancestors? In Judah, in Israel, and in Jerusalem, there is treachery. For the men of Judah have defiled the Lord's beloved sanctuary by marrying women who worship idols. May the Lord cut off from the nation of Israel every last man who has done this and yet brings an offering to the Lord Almighty. Here's another thing you do. You cover the Lord's altar with tears, weeping and groaning because He pays no attention to your offerings and He doesn't accept them with pleasure. You cry out, Why has the Lord abandoned me? I'll tell you why. Because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made to each other on your wedding day when you were young. But you have been disloyal to her, though she remained your faithful companion, the wife of your marriage vows. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit you are His. And what does He want? Godly children from your union. So guard yourself, remain loyal to the wife of your youth. For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. It's as cruel as putting on a victim's blood-stained coat, says the Lord Almighty. So guard yourself. 
always remain loyal to your wife. It's as cruel as going in where somebody has died and ransacking the body. That's what he's saying. It's cruel. It's obscene. It's wrong. They'd left the wife of their youth, and they've got what we call today trophy wives. Trophy wife is when a guy gets it made in business or whatever, and he's got plenty of money, so he dumps the old lady, and he, carries, he finds some little floozy, and he marries her. That's his trophy wife. Everybody's jealous of him. Listen, it used to be that only happened in the world. But God help us. God help us. I hear of it happening with pastors and bishops and apostles. God hates divorce. Why does he hate divorce? Because of the damage it does. Because of the damage it does. My parents were divorced when I was seven years old. I was brought up in boarding school. It's only the grace of God I'm here today. Only the grace of God. God hates divorce. But listen to this. This is what Sarah shared with you this morning. This is precious. What does he want? Godly children from your union. Listen, I might bend somebody's nose a little bit by saying this, but be bent. I don't mind. I'm not going to be here next week. <laughs> That's all right. There's a bunch over there that will protect me. <laughs> we have bought the world's song. Wait until you've got a career before you get married. Don't you girls want a career? You need a career. And then when you get married, be sure you only have the American average of 1.2 children. Now, we've bought that from the world. What does God say about marriage and what does God say about children? What does God say? I mean, have we as a church even stopped to think what God might say about this? God says that children are a gift from Him. They are a gift from Him. And blessed is the man that has his quiver full. Now, my dad, yes, amen. My dad was a Bible scholar. And his opinion that a, a quiver full, which was the quiver that the archers held on their back to hold arrows, was four arrows. He had four children. Now, we wanted to have six, but because of uh, there was a, a danger in our having any more children, we only had four. Folks, when in the 70s, when Janet and I first walked into Little Four Square Church in Roanoke, we caused revival because they had 30 people. And when we walked in, they had 36. <laughs> and people used to look at us and say, oh, how do you manage with all these children? We wanted more. I've got 13 grandchildren. Now I'm lobbying for 14. Why? You know, oh, here's the world. Here's the world. And you, God help you if you've ever let it come past your lips. But here's the world. You don't want to bring children into this horrible world, do you? I want to bring children into this world that will be on fire for God. I want to bring children into this world that will be the salt of the earth. I want to bring children into this world that will shed the light wherever they go. Don't buy the world's story. 
And Sarah said, God will come to her where she is. And her, listen, her ministry will not be any less because she has children. God was saying to her, you take care of that child. You rear that child to be a godly child. And I'll come to you and I'll bless you. Your ministry will not be diminished. Hear that, wives. Don't buy the world's story that you've got to be out there. Get somebody to watch your kids so you can be out there. Garbage. Garbage. God wants marriages that will bring honor to Him, and He wants parents that will raise children that are godly children to infest this earth, infest this nation with goodness and the glory of God. Listen, if that got up against any of you, talk to the Lord about it. You have wearied the Lord with your words. Wearied Him? How have we wearied Him? You have wearied Him by suggesting the Lord favors evildoers since He does not punish them. You have wearied Him by asking, where is the God of justice? Now it goes on from here to talk about the second coming of Jesus. And what God says there is, don't you look around you and say, where is the God of justice? He's coming. He's coming. The God of justice is coming. There is going to be a judgment throne where He will judge everybody. And justice will be done, but not right now in this world. So stop wearying the Lord with your words and look for His coming. And let all the justice that needs to be done. Maybe you've had injustice in your life. God's seen it. He knows about it. He's going to take care of it. You don't have to take care of it. And you don't have to live under the pressure of, I wish it was taken care of now. It'll be taken care of in that day when He comes. Let's go on. I am the Lord and I do not change. This is verse 6 of chapter 3. That is why you descendants of Jacob are not already completely destroyed. How many of you can say with me, because he's God is the only reason I'm not destroyed. I mean, if I was God, you'd all be gone. And me too. And me too. But because he's God, we're not destroyed. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you've scorned my laws and failed to obey them. Now return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. And he, these people say just exactly what we would say. You ask, how can we return? What do you mean? Return. I didn't think we left. How can we return? What's the deal here, God? He's saying, return to me. Return to me. But we never left. What's the deal? Here's the deal. Should a people cheat God? Should a people cheat God? Yet you've cheated me. You know, one of the things about meeting together with the pastors is we get to hear what's happening in each other's churches. You're a good bunch. I've heard that. But you know what's happened in all our churches in Mooresville since 9-11? See, I'm not in my church, I can say this. Giving's gone down. Giving's gone down. Now, I don't know what's happened in your life. Maybe things have got tight. But isn't it strange that when things get tight, we stop giving to the work of God? I mean, what's with this? Are our priorities right? Listen, God says, return to me. And we say, here I come, O Lord, just as I am. Without, here I come. Here I am, Lord. He says, now pull out your billfold. Huh? What? Get thee behind me, Satan. Don't like preachers that talk about money, do we? 
But this is God talking. This is not me talking. This is God talking. He's saying, return to me. Return to you. How in the world are we going to return to you? We never left. Bring your offerings into the church. I can't believe you'd say that, God. Yes, He did. Yes, He did. Just read it through for yourself. Ask the Holy Spirit to explain it to you and see if I'm not right. How can we return? Should a people cheat God? You've cheated me. What do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You've cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse, but your whole nation has been treating me. Bring the tithes into the storehouse. There will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord Almighty, and you all know the rest. But don't forget the first part. Return to me, says the Lord. How do I return to you? You return to me by putting your money where your mouth is. Think it over. Think it over. What's the promise? What's the promise? Go ahead and start tithing again. Go ahead and start giving to the work of the Lord again. If you do, says the Lord Almighty, I'll open the windows of heaven for you. I'll pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Try it. Let me prove it to you. This is the only place in the Bible where God says, try me. This is it. The only place where God says, test me. Check me out, says God. Do what you, Return to me, says God. Bringing your billfold in hand. Return to me. And I'll pour out a blessing on you you can't contain. I will guard them from insects and disease. That's the, the version I'm reading from. You know, you know better where it says in the King James, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. And I like that. I will rebuke the devourer from your, for your sake, says the Lord Almighty. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord Almighty. Now, every, every preacher gets to that point and takes up an offering, right? I'm not going to take up an offering. I'm going to finish this. I'm, not going to fi- I'm going to finish this because God says right after this, you've said terrible things about me. You've said terrible things about me. And just like us, we say, what do you mean? What do you mean? How have we spoken against you? And here's what we've said. And you know, at different times in our Christian walk, I think we've all been guilty of saying this. God forgive us, but I know I have. Listen to this. You've said, what's the use of serving God? What have we gained by obeying His commands or trying to show the Lord Almighty we're sorry for our sins? There's been times in my life where things have been going hard. Pastoring a church is not all roses, not by a long shot. There's some terrible trials that every pastor goes through. Every pastor's heart bleeds when a person walks away from God. Every pastor's heart is broken when somebody falls in sin. There's other things too. There's Christians that can be awful, mean, and ugly. See, I can tell you this. Can't say this in my church. But as time in my church when somebody cornered me, a dear, sweet, lovely, gray-headed old lady. Butter wouldn't melt in her mouth. She was so lovely, such a child of God. Cornered me in the nursery, waved a finger under my nose and said, we can get rid of you. I said, no, you can't. 
He said, we can get rid of you. I said, no, you can't. He said, the only person that can move me out of Mooresville is God. She said, we can get rid of you. We got rid of the last two. It's times like that when you say, what profit is there in serving God? What have we gained by obeying His commands or trying to show the Lord Almighty we're sorry for our sins? Now here's the wrong way to go. From now on we'll say, blessed are the arrogant. For those who do evil get rich and those who dare God to punish them go free of harm. It's tough, isn't it? Isn't it tough when you're serving God with all your heart and it seems like those that are evil are prospering and you're not? Isn't it tough when things are just not going right in your life on your job or with your finances even and you're saying, what's the point of serving God? Listen. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with each other. This is after hearing this little conversation between God and Israel. And the Lord listened to what they said. In his presence, a scroll of remembrance was written to record the names of those who feared him and loved to think about him. Listen, we've got no promise America's going to continue the way it's going. We've got no promise that the affluence and the blessings that we've enjoyed all these years is going to continue. It's it's going to come a time where it's really going to show those who are following God because they love him and because he loves them rather than for what they can get from him. But those who feared the Lord, in his presence a scroll of remembrance was written to record the names of those who feared him and loved to think about him. They will be my people, says the Lord Almighty. On the day when I act, they will be my own special treasure. I will spare them as a father spares an obedient and dutiful child. Then you will again see the difference between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. Listen, if you will pledge yourself to the Lord in spite of the circumstances, in spite of the world around you, I'll tell you there's coming a day when God will point to you and he will say, that is my special person. That is my special person. I will cause them to be blessed. For eternity they will be blessed. Which would you rather have? Be blessed for 70 years on this life or 90 or 100 if you live that long or be blessed forever? Which would you prefer? The Lord Almighty says the day of judgment is coming, burning like a furnace. The arrogant and the wicked will be burned up like straw on that day. They will be consumed like a tree, roots and all. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in His wings and you will go free, leaping with joy like calves led out to pasture. There is going to come a day when it's not the music will make you jump. It's not the excitement of being in His presence here on earth that will make you twirl around. There's going to come a day when this stiff, upper-lipped Englishman is going to go berserk with happiness. I will make an absolute fool of myself because it will be the day when I stand in His presence and He says to me, You're my special child. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of thy Lord and you're going to see an Englishman come apart. But you won't be watching because you'll be coming apart too. God wants to have an ongoing conversation with His people. 
He wants to talk to you about the things that are troubling you. He wants to correct you in certain areas. But understand this. He starts out with this. I love you. I love you. Never, ever doubt his love. Amen.